Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And I told you last week we're going to do a little summer series. We're going to to kind of bounce around the map. So I thought this was appropriate. We're now, this is going to be 10 years since the Giants' last Super Bowl victory. Super Bowl 46, the 10th year anniversary coming up. So the Giants are going to do a bunch of... uh, they're gonna they're gonna honor that tenth anniversary team. Really, that that that's that's what this season is going to be about. Uh, October seventeenth, week six versus the Rams. There'll be a pregame and halftime ceremonies honoring that Super Bowl team. Super Bowl team that most of you have come to know and love. Uh, they're gonna go over. They're gonna have they're gonna have things throughout the season on their website. Uh, the top sixteen moments and plays you're gonna be voting on. There's going to be retail collabs with with Carl Banks and Starter, and there's going to be all different versions of all-in T-shirts. All-in, of course, was the slogan that the man that I'm going to bring in right now was uh, completely bought into, I think. We'll ask him about it in a second. Uh, Justin Tuck, great Giants. I'll call him a defensive lineman even more than defensive end because the man did a lot of damage on the interior as well, especially in those Super Bowls. So, Justin Appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, if we relive those Super Bowl seasons, we got to bring you in. Uh, easily could have won at least one Super Bowl MVP. Definitely could have been in the conversation <laughs> of for both. Uh, do you ever do you ever think about that? About how things would be different, or if they would be different if you had collected one of those MVPs. You know, I don't personally think about it. I think because so many people bring it up to me, uh, it's constantly on my mind. Literally, anytime they talk about the, <laughs> the, the Super Bowls, they bring, um, you know, that topic up. And I just, I, I answer it like I always answer it. Um, I am totally fine with Eli winning the Super Bowls because he played great games and great playoff runs to get us to the point of even having an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Um, but I'm also totally fine with you you giving me my roses and, and telling me I played a good game. So uh either way, but no, I don't I don't I don't personally think about it on, on how things would be different or if they would be different. Um I think anybody who knows me knows that um my only objective in, in playing in the Super Bowl was having my team win and was able to do so. So I am totally good on that. We'll get to some of the stuff going on with the Giants now a little bit in a little bit. But uh, first of all, wh- does it feel like 10 years? I mean, what do you think when you hear uh, that it's been 10 years since that second one? You know, it, it does, actually. I, I, you know, and from my vantage point, it's just because I've. I've been keeping myself pretty busy um, and a lot of, you know, as I look over those last 10 years um, from that game and just, you know, all the things that um, I personally have been a part of, have done, you know, whether that's me, myself and I, or me and my family or, you know, the business things that we got going on and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I, it definitely, it definitely feels like uh, 10 years, but in the moment though, when you think about the fact that we're getting ready to celebrate that, um, it also feels like it was yesterday because now all those memories are so fresh and that journey of that team is so fresh. So I, I guess I can answer that question by saying it either way. What, what does pop into your head? You, you say, you know, Super Bowl 46. What's the, what's one of the first things that pops into your head? Um. Honestly, from <laughs> I, I think it's different for me. I I went through some 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 family issues that year, and every time I, I I think about that, I think about that part of it. But from the game itself and the team, about, you, you suffered losses in your family, correct? Is that? Yeah, I did, I did. Um, but from the game and, and the team itself, I mean, honestly, I just think about. Um, I think the the image that comes on my mind is like right when. Um, that clock hits triple zero, and uh, the first person who who literally ran and gave me a big hug was Eli. And there's a really great picture of that um, of us two kind of embracing after we you know we had, you know completed the job. And that's the first thing that probably pops in my mind, just that moment of you know it's the first time where actually you feel like you're nervous. It's it's it's, it's funny, right? Because in the game, you know we've been doing this all our lives as kids, and in the moment especially for us being able to be on the field and end it on the defensive side. But I never got nervous, but literally 
as soon as the game's over, you just start. And it probably wasn't nerves. It was more just that adrenaline that you, you, your hands are literally shaking uh, because you know now that you are a Super Bowl champion. Um, so that's that's the first thing that probably pops in my mind. That's crazy that you say that. You know, <laughs> all the tense moments you're in and, and, and like – the nerves or whatever you call it, it comes comes afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I saw. I, I was I was looking it up. I saw a picture, or it was it maybe even video, of you kind of sitting maybe on a cart afterwards, <laughs> decompressing <laughs> and like soaking it all in. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah. It, how emotional was that for you? That whole that whole experience because, like you said, that was that was a tough year for you. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think you were beat up also, if I remember correctly. You had sure. a bunch of different yeah. nagging little injuries that just were bothering you for a while. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that moment of me finding that golf cart. Um, like, you'll never find me hosting the Lombardi Trophy at the Super Bowl. I had the parades and so on and so forth. I, I definitely, you know, have pictures of me with the with the Lombardi. You will not find a picture of me with the Lombardi whoa, whoa. at the actual. Why? And it, yeah. it, and it, and any one of them in 42 or 46. And to be honest with you, the only reason why, and it's not like I consciously thought of this, but like I enjoy the journey. I enjoy the, that, that just being able to sit on that golf cart, right. And just start thinking about training camp and, and the guys and the relationships that you build over the course of, of, of a year. In, in our case, you had a lot of guys who had been on the team for several years and those relationships. I obviously was thinking about my family. You know, I lost my, I lost, three uncles and a grandfather that season. Um, I was, I was just, I was trying to soak in the moment. And cause a lot of times when you're in the, on the field, the confetti's hitting you and you're in, you're almost in that middle of everything. So your blinders are on, you're not getting a 360 view of everything going on. I, I like to pull myself out of that and just kind of walk over to the, you know, to that, that cart, sit down and allow myself to see the stadium, see the, see the field, see my teammates celebrating and, and be able to pick out all of them individually and not have it be like, when you're in the middle of it, you only see like three or four guys because everybody's so close. Right. Right. Hey. But when you pull yourself out of it, I got a, I feel like immensely I had a, you know, a, a 360 view picture in my mind of what that moment was like. Also, I was. You did that for the tired. first one. Also, you did that the same thing. For um, the first I, time? I didn't do. I didn't do. I, it wasn't as dramatic on the first one, but the first one was me kind of. While everybody was celebrating, my family came down in the field in the first one, and ironically, you know, um, two of the uncles who had passed that year was at the first Super Bowl as well. So I got a picture of my family and the confetti on the ground, and I was kind of off. I was on the field, but I was kind of off behind or you know a little bit further back um than than everyone else who was in the middle of it so in 42 yeah it was the same it wasn't as dramatic with me sitting on a golf cart and, and being over on the sideline by myself um which uh rachel nichols ended for me because she came over to interview me <laughs> um, but uh <laughs> not that you uh, hold a grudge or anything <laughs> nah, i'm kidding it was, great. it was a great moment i think uh and then you know my wife climbed down the stands and and my son and handed me my son and um you know we we kind of spent that that moment um over there kind of by ourselves which was pretty neat for me you had a, a meeting with tom coughlin during that season too uh uh-huh. that I, that i saw um i heard about it, at least obviously it was not there <laughs> tell us tell us about that meeting it was sort of just you you were you were kind of in a funk at the time and in, and he uh, yeah. he brought you in. <laughs> Listen, I, at the time, a lot of people don't know this. I I was thinking about retiring the beginning of that year. Um, what? Yeah, people really? don't know that. Yeah, man. Twenty eleven. Wow. I had a lot of had a lot of things um, going on um, um, outside of football that was um, I felt like it needed my attention. It needed more than than me just being uh, a football player at the time. And that was probably a little bit of me feeling sorry for myself, to be honest with you. Um, and then you add in the the up and down of that season for me individually as far as um, the injuries, the nagging injuries, the additional family losses and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, football was definitely not uh, top of mind for me. Yeah, I would say at least 50 
percent of that season, right? You still go out and you try to be, you try to give your team everything you have, and 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 you know I'm the captain of the team. Everyone's looking at me to kind of help write the ship when we had some up and downs in the in the middle of that year, right? So I think the meeting for me and Tom was, you know, Tom being his normal hard self, right? It was listen, Justin. I know a lot of these things are going on in your life, and and you know, personal, professionally, and so on and so forth, but you know, this team needs you. I need you. We need you to be your old self or, or, or some, uh, some sentiment of your old self. And it was more of a challenge to me to make up my mind what I, what I wanted to do and, and go do it 100%. It wasn't like him being selfish and saying like, Justin, you need to play football. No, it was, it was Justin, you need to have a, a meeting, uh, within yourself to truly, um, come away from this thing and saying, I'm going to be a hundred percent this way, a hundred percent that way. Um, and it was needed. I thought, you know, I think it was, I think it put me in a, a, the mental place I needed to be to say, listen, I'll handle all the other stuff after the season's over with, but for the next, you know, that time, what, three, two months, let's, let's focus on, on helping this team win a championship. So that's, that's basically what the meeting was about. How does, TC do it in that spot, not alienate you and, and, and make it make it like, oh, you know, OK, you, you know, come here. You got to play football. How, how did he how did he manage that? Uh, you know, I think it was because we had a pretty good relationship and we were used to meeting and talking about things. To be honest with you. I mean, obviously, as the captain of the football team, you meet with him. Right. Yeah. On one every yeah, I, I probably met with him every Monday and Wednesday. And if anything came up during the week, you know, you obviously meet when, when that comes. But like it was kind of a standing meeting on Monday and Wednesday. Monday was more about, you know, what we had just saw on Sunday and going into the week about what we wanted to do the next week. And Wednesday was, all right, the plan is in. How do you feel about it? How does Tina feel about it? Uh, how do we how we move forward for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? So right. I was used to obviously having direct conversations with him. And as the relationship grew, some of those conversations morphed into more than just football. Obviously with, with Coughlin, 95% of it was football, but like, you know, at that time I'd been on the team, you know, he drafted me. So I'd been there um, almost said that was my seventh season. So, you know, you learn family, you learn wives, kids, you know, all these other things that you have a conversation with. And he, you know, I was very honest with him about, you know, some of the situations that's going on in my life. Um, I don't, don't give him too much credit because, listen, he's still old ball coach. He, I think he knew what he was doing. He also knew what I was, would respond to. Right. Like me, and just coming in and saying, Justin, we need you to play better football. I would have, it probably would have turned into a shot match of me saying, you know, coach, there's a lot of things in my life that's way more important than football. Um, and I think him understanding, you know, what my priorities were as a, as a man um, helped him kind of, you know, play chess and not checkers in that moment. Right. Um and he just basically put the onus on me to make a decision that was, and he knew, I think he knew. And I, I did too, honestly. But again, I, like I said, I think it was a time where I was just feeling sorry for myself and I wanted somebody to, I ain't gonna say notice because everyone, yeah, people notice, right. but I just, I just, I needed someone to point the finger back at me in a way that wasn't really pointing the finger back at me. It was just, you know, Justin, we, we need you to make a decision and you need to make a decision to be honest with you. It wasn't about, it wasn't about the Giants in, in, in general. It was about more about my well-being, to be honest with you. And I think we both understood that I, I was a better, I felt like I was a better person and a better, um, in a better place when I was playing football because it allowed me to kind of block some of the other stuff out. Right. Um, okay. And that's, you know, that's pretty much what, I, and listen, coaches, Coach Coughlin is, is a successful football coach because of, he he understands that, and he understood that. He knows how to deal with players, and you know, in the in the in the, the vantage point that he had was he was our. It was, it was very similar to me in that in that moment of sitting on that golf cart. He was able to pull himself away from the something that I couldn't do at the time, as far as the individualization of the problems I was going with, and he was able to see it from a 
you know, 360 view where I was probably in the middle of it and, and had blinders on it and was looking at it from a direct view. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do I have an answer that that all of that, what I just said is exactly what he was thinking? No, but that's me thinking like that's probably how he would have approached it. Right. Well, but however, he why he's a great coach. Like you said, he knows how he knows what buttons to push and how hard to push you and where to, you know, and how to do it. And that I guess over the years, the, the, the relationship you guys developed allowed him to know how to deal with you in, in that moment and, and the team in general, right? So that team in general, you're six and two, then you start, you know, going in the other direction was, then you turn it around again. Like obviously the, the, the Victor Cruz catches against the jets is one is one that stands out. Was there any point that you, realize that this team was about to go on another special run I, is that is that something that even goes through your head as a player at the time I don't think we do I, I, I mean I did I think for me it was about you know one game at a time we've once you get in it I mean like we had a team that really understood that once you get into the playoffs it's, it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter who we're playing what they did previously so on and so forth um well, because of 2007, obviously, that, that obviously plays well, a yeah, part of right? Even seven, I think it was still the same vantage point just because of the coaching staff we had, Coach Coffin's demeanor. You know, obviously, we took on the demeanor of Coach Coffin uh, in both of the playoff runs. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, additionally, the fact that we had so many guys coming back who was about, who had experience in that, you know, 07 08 Super Bowl season. Yeah, I think. You know, I think it allowed us to kind of just play one game at a time. Uh, if you think about Eli's personality, right? It's you know, he never gets too high to highs, too low to lows. It's 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 pretty even keel. Uh, I'm pretty much sure. so. If you think about if you think about all the captains of our team, other than Andrew, <laughs> we're all we're all pretty even. About listen, man, one play at a time, one day at a time, one game at a time. Um, and you, we didn't allow ourselves to get caught up in that moment until after that clock hit triple zero. That was the year that whole Eli elite conversation was going on the whole time, right? Uh, sure. How how much were you guys aware of that? And what, what did you guys think of that? The fact that he came out and basically said he considered himself a lead. I mean, which was just kind of like you said, out of his character. And that was like a big, a big ongoing storyline throughout that whole season, really. Well, I don't think it was out of, out of his character. The way he said it, it wasn't like he was, it wasn't like he wasn't asked the question one. Right. It wasn't like he brought it like, oh, I should be considered in the same breath as these other quarterbacks, right? Yeah, this is wasn't like, the question was Brady and, uh, was Brady and uh, his brother, I think, if I remember right. Yeah, but like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like he brought that on himself, right? It wasn't like he was looking for the attention. They asked him a question. And I, 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 I remember like it was yesterday. After he said it, they asked me like, what do you, they asked me the same question you're asking me now. I'm like, what was he supposed to say? Right. Oh, no. Uh, oh, uh, no, I'm just an Irish quarterback. Oh, uh, I, you know, what, what do you, how do you ask the question? I don't know. So he, he's the one who's so, super skilled at not answer of, 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 you know, well, yeah, he, around the question. That's his specialty, man. That's yeah, the thing he usually think, does dance around it somehow. I think magically, I think it was, I think he was fed up with the narrative around the fact that he wasn't a lead and he just decided to show confidence in the fact that he was confident in who he was as a quarterback. Like if, like for me, if he would have said, which I would have had my, I wouldn't have cared if he would have said it differently. I wish, I wish, honestly, I wish he allowed us to be like, yes, I'm elite. These are the things that I've accomplished. Take, right. Name other guys that have accomplished it <laughs> and that you don't consider elite. I wish you to say, you know what? That's a dumb question. I'm getting tired of y'all asking me that stupid question. <laughs> There's a reason why they're paying me almost $30 million a year to play quarterback. <laughs> yes, I'm elite. I wish you to say that. As a reporter, but, I'm all for that. Anytime guys want to say, I, that direction, I'm all for it, man. <laughs> I think Eli in that moment was just like, listen, yes, I'm elite. I consider myself elite. That's all. That's basically all he yeah. said. So you answered the question. But now, was, it, was it something you guys talked about in the locker room? I and mean, how much was that a topic discussed? We didn't have to talk about it because, honestly, 
we all felt as though he was right. And if we talked about it at all, it was probably in the way that I just said, like, I wish Eli had stood up and just threw the mic down after he said he was leaving, <laughs> right? Because um, we always tried to get Eli to be more, you know, say flamboyant. It ain't the right word, but like open. more open and 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 loud, to be honest with you. Because think yeah. about it. He was the most powerful figure in our locker room. You know, he he had the ability to say something, do something, and the team moved with the the uh, the coaching staff would have moved with that. The ownership would have moved with that. The, the the fans wanted to see that. Yeah, right. Everyone would have loved, that was, loved it. They would have eaten it up for sure. His personality was to be the quiet assassin, which he was. Other than this one moment, which I don't think it was. It wasn't like he became the loud assassin. He just became, you know. Uh, the assassin that said one one phrase that that the, the reporters wanted to um, make a huge story out of, which I, in our locker room it definitely was not a huge story. Right, he did he did step he did get loud though. Didn't he uh, didn't he give a speech? Isn't that the year he gave a speech before the Super Bowl? I don't remember to be honest. With you, so not that's before probably... the game, not before the game. I think he he stood up in front of the team before you guys left or some something like that. I don't remember. I mean, like, I never remember any Eli speeches. Eli speeches was, you know, they were. He's not a good speaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you always wanted to be loud. You wanted the loud that's Eli. Gonna be, that's gonna be the headline. Of this whole article: Justin says Eli's not a good speaker. No, I don't. I don't. Remember, I don't remember him doing anything outside the norm. Like I, I know he he talked to the team and, and did things on a on a weekly basis. I don't. Like when you say he stood up in front of the team and gave, my my assumption is that you feel like he gave like a fiery speech. I don't remember that to be honest with you. But listen, he he spoke a lot within the locker room. He spoke a lot as far as when we were going over game plans and so on and so forth. Just in the media aspect of things, he he didn't have that that same vocal. Um, you know, um, yeah, he just wasn't as vocal in, in the media like that. But in the locker room, he like, always spoke. He always talked. Yeah, my, what I what I think I'm, I'm going off of my recollection off the top of my head is that he just gave some not a, not a fire speech, but before you guys went to the Super Bowl, he kind of just told. Uh, I think Prince told me this once because he was a young guy at the time, so it resonated with him. You were already there. He said, "Look, sure. listen, don't get it, don't get caught up." He stood up before you guys left. Said, "Look, don't get caught up in the week. The whole, all the shenanigans that come with the Super Bowl. Just for one week, worry about the game and what you're supposed to do to play, and then it'll all be worth it afterwards. And we'll get it. everything you want to do afterwards. You'll have plenty of time, and you'll have plenty of fun afterwards. It'll be all worth it." And it's a yeah, guy. he would have said. And so, sure. for a young guy that probably holds you know a lot more weight than you because you've you already been there. But you also add asking Prince. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I trust. I don't know if I would trust my sources. <laughs> but yeah, no. um, but yeah. I mean, that hearing you say what you just said—that sounds spot on of something that Eli would say. So, right. Victor Cruz, huge part of that team, right? Huge sure. year, seemingly out of nowhere to everybody on the outside. Obviously, had that huge preseason game against the Jets the year before. But how? Biggest surprise was that to you guys internally that he had that season? Um, like, did you see it coming at all? Like, like no, the rest of us, we were like, who is this guy? Surprised that he had that big of a season? Definitely. Surprised that he was capable of having that big of a season? Not at all. Like, we, we got to see him work, obviously, the year before um, as kind of a practice squad guy. And, you know, he obviously got hurt. And then he comes back. Um. But yeah, I, I think yeah, we were all surprised that he had the season that he had. But did he do anything in the season that we hadn't seen him do in, in like practices? Not really, right? We knew he was a skilled person. We knew he could be that that slot receiver. Probably the thing that I was more surprised of is when he went out on the edge and made plays out on the edge. Like him in the middle of the field was a nightmare, um, and we knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he became kind of a deep threat. Um, and being able to catch the long ball as well, like we knew that he could catch a you know an out or a curl or you know some some over route and, and take it to the house. We knew that he could do that. We didn't know that he had the ability to a be a legitimate star on the outside as well. That was something that we kind of written off to be more of a Hakeem 
uh, and Mario position, where as you know, Victor proved us. I ain't gonna say proved us wrong in that matter, but we just that he, he surprised us in that regard. Um, so yeah, uh, at ninety nine yarder, he had obviously a huge play, right? We mentioned sure. the Manning, the Manning. You mentioned Manningham. He had that catch in the Super Bowl. Those are plays people will never forget, right? Those are legendary plays. So they're going to go over this season, the, the top moments and plays from that year. Is there is there a Justin Tuck player moment from that year that that we that they need to make sure to add? Do you, do you have anything that stands out to you? Nah, any, I mean you know me well enough. Whereas I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> you know the moment that stands out to me most was you giving the speech to. I think it was just your position group, but you going down the line like Chris, you don't you you don't got one before the before the Super Bowl. Sure. Linville, you don't got one. Like that's when I think about that year. When I uh, that's the one thing that kind of pops out to me is you giving that speech to uh, your your guys about how hey they don't have a Super Bowl, you do, and you're gonna give everything you got that, that they get that they kind of have to bring it too. You remember what yeah. do you remember about that? Is that something you pre plan? Like do you do you think about that speech beforehand, or you just go and wing it? I've I've always winged it. Honestly, I hate I hated giving those speeches. To be honest with you, everybody thought like I I that was something I wanted to do. I did not. Um, <laughs> I think for me in a, in a game situation, if I need a rah rah speech to get me ready to play the game, then I shouldn't be playing the sport. And that's kind of how I've always looked about it. Think thought about it from high school on. To be honest with you, so anytime someone gives a rah rah speech, I've always kind of just I don't know. The guy who hangs in the back and tunes it out. I'll be in the the front, but like, it will be fake. The rah-rah will be fake for me. I was like, I need it. Like, listen, there's a guy over there that's going to try to block me. I'm good enough to know that when I step on that field, something in me switches on where that guy becomes my enemy and I'm going to go out and play 100% to make sure that he's not successful. That's all I need. Um, but so yeah, I hated those moments. But a lot of the guys love those moments. They love to kind of be that that gladiator type of guy. And so for me, I I grew up in a house of a household of deacons and preachers. So I'm used to uh, being able to kind of just see people come off the cuff and, and give these dramatic speeches. <laughs> um, so it was kind of, I don't know if it was something that was I was just embedded in me or whatever, but you know that's I. I so what do you think when you see yourself giving that? When you see yourself, uh, yeah. But I said the one thing I, you you like it or you 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 like cringe at the the idea that you're sitting there saying that stuff. I kind of cringe to be honest with you, um, <laughs> because it, it's it's so different than my personality, to be honest with you. Like when my wife first heard and I'm cussing and I'm doing all that stuff, that's not really me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in that moment though, it is, I think the vantage point that I have is that I'm very observant. uh, And a lot of those speeches came from me just being around the guys in the locker room, pregame, being around the guys on the field as they warmed up and just trying to find and, and see what guy needed to be pushed today, what guy needed that little extra oomph. Um, what was things that we saw during the week that people resonated with? That's why what about a captain, the- man. That's how you end up being a captain. You have that instinct. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think I think one of the most important roles you can have on a team is, is captain. And I'm not saying that because I was captain. I'm just saying it from the perspective of so many people they're going to, they pay attention to the captain. They pay attention to what he does, what he says, um, and how he responds to things. And, but like, if you're a captain or a leader of any group and you're not paying attention to your team, you're not, in order to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. And in that moment of being a great leader, my following was, I understand everything that's going on in these people's, their lives. There was, you know, I knew how, Chris Canty would respond to me being in his face. I knew how Linda Joseph would respond to me tapping him on the shoulder and, and whispering something about the game plan in his ear. I, you have to know all of these things, right? Because if you don't, sometimes these rah-rah speeches or just how you interact with your teammates falls on deaf ear. So there's, there's a reason 
reason why I said certain people's names in that speech and not others. Right. Uh, and it's not me calling them out. It's just I know how they will respond to it. Right. Like well, it's, it's there's the concept is Thomas Coughlin's meeting with you, right? Yeah. But there's times in like certain speeches where I was about to say something and I see a guy's face and I remember he doesn't respond well to you calling him out. He's a guy that you got to go pull aside and say, we need you today. This is how I see your matchup working out, blah, 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 blah. Right? So that's why I think I wrote anything down because moment, I mean, it, I think it sounds better when they realize this is genuine. If I'm if I'm saying this speech and there's no stuttering in it, there's no there's no me. It's like it's like a red speech. You've all, we've all been you know at a, at a at some type of you know event where people have pre- prepared I mean prepared remarks versus those who come from the heart. And I've always felt like coming from the heart just lands better. No, I'm with you on that. And I with somebody sitting up there reading a speech. It just seems canned to me, you know, it, 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 most of the time. Yeah. It's just like, and for me, reading, it's like, oh, yeah, get, he's going through all the talking points. He's got to, you know, yeah. thank this guy, reading. thank that guy. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, I get bored reading a speech. I've, I've done it before, you know, some some, some philanthropic or uh, academic events. I'm actually up there reading a the speech and I'm like, man, this is putting me to sleep. <laughs> so personally giving the speech, I'm more excited giving a speech that I have to sit there and and be quick-witted and, and 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 have some type of critical thinking on what comes out of my mouth next. Yeah. That is exciting to me. No, I agree 100%. That season, obviously, magical overall, but tell me what you think about this. I, I, I maintain, and I say this all the time, that NFC Championship gaming against the 49ers, Eli yeah. Manning's best game of his career. He just got pummeled in that game <laughs> i mean uh, i i i just thought he played so well under such tough conditions there i know there was the games against green bay where it was negative 50 whatever it was but those games i mean he was getting killed in that niners game and he just yeah coming at him you know i would think i would think it's definitely up there. I mean, like he had so many great games throughout his career. It's hard to like pinpoint one. But if you if you're if you're giving it, if you're putting all the things around that game, uh, you have to give you have to give it extra credit, right? Because one, it's an NFC Championship game. It's on the road. It's it's against a team like you said that literally seemed like they hit him every other play. Yeah. That was a great defense. Uh, they had a great defense there. The Smith brothers yeah, one, at the time. Patrick Willis, Bowman. That was that dominant defense. Um, so it was interesting to see um, how he responded to that, right? Um, and like you said, he responded in a way that I think our team noticed. And 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 it, it just puts you in that moment where you're not going to let the next guy down. Right. You're seeing that guy go out and give 100 percent and get pummeled, get right back up and throw darts in the back of the end zone to Mar- Mario Manningham or you know whatever it may be. You just feel like you're you. He gives you in that moment. He gives that team that extra uh, um, two three percent that you needed to like finish that game in the fourth quarter. Right. He gives you that when you see it coming from a guy like Eli. Uh, you're on the you're on the sideline. You, you feel that. You feel that that sense of commitment. Uh, and I think it did propel us outside of just how awesome he played. Right. I think knowing that you know he was going to be in a cold tub for a good week <laughs> after. Right. Uh, yeah. Sure. So and like, oh, there's anything different, right? I don't think I don't think there's ever a time that you feel like you're gonna you know, let your teammate down anyway. But in that moment, it's like, you know, for a fact, if you have to run out there and they have to, you know, revive you on the football field, you almost feel like that moment is that moment where you're not going to let a guy down, even if they have to, you know, carry you off the field. So, and you didn't, you went and you won that Super Bowl. You played another really strong game from a personal perspective. What was it about playing the Patriots? that you had so much success in, in both those Super Bowls, even really when you guys played them in, in the regular season as well? Yeah, I think it's matchups, honestly. Um, I think a lot of people want to 
um, make it bigger than what it was. But, you know, listen, our D-line matched up well with their O-line. Anytime you have a guy of the caliber of, of Tom Brady, if you're not hitting him, disrupting him, moving him off his spot, making him uncomfortable, you have no shot, right? right? So I think it, it no, was And you think about it on offense versus their defense, right? We were able to to show them different looks in the running game. We were able to be patient. Uh, and take what they gave us and methodically move the ball down the field. And when when there was an opportunity to make a big play, our guys made big plays, right? There, and we've seen that. Now, not, not to be the guy who, who brings up bad things for the Patriots, but, like, we saw that from the Patriots' perspective of some plays, if they made it, we'd lose that game. In in in, in Super Bowl 42, Shante Samuels has the interception in the game. He doesn't yeah. make that play. And I, that's not me picking on Sante. That's just yeah. you know it is what it is. West Walker, if he makes yeah. even yeah, if he makes that catch, even though listen, Tom could have threw a better ball. I'm not you know I don't think I don't think he would he would tell you anything different. But if he makes that catch, game's over for us. Mario Manningham makes a phenomenal catch, and the hard thing about that catch is making sure his feet are in, mm-hmm. right? We we just made the plays when they were, they were needed for us to make. And it, it doesn't mean that we were a better team, a better player. It just means we made the plays when we had to make them. For whatever reason, that's worked. Um, and that's how you win Super Bowls. And obviously, the Patriots and Tom Brady have a, a extensive track record of making the plays when they yeah, – They've done they it enough. Some, some days it just doesn't happen for you. Enough. Yeah. So it just happened to be these two days were about the matchups. We matched up well, and we made the – plays when you need to make them is this that simple i think you know yes we had a great game plan the x's and o's but you on need point we had great you also need but the players you have, every team is just going to go out there and be able to do that obviously 100 you, know? you need the players and then you have to have players to make the plays i've seen hall of fame players in certain moments not make the plays it's just part of the game and then you see unsung heroes make the play david tyree like if you put Jerry Rice in that situation, Randy Moss in that situation, Terrell Owens in that situation, do they make that play? I don't know. Right. Probably, maybe, maybe. But no one would argue that those three guys that just named was a uh, more direct, um, uh, a better wide receiver or had better careers than David Tyree, right? But in that moment, David Tyree made the play. And that's what, you know, I think our Super Bowls more than anything come down to. Right? If you put if you put Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning or whoever quarterback you want to put in this situation, that throw to Mario Manningham, can they put it in the same place that Peyton, I mean, that Eli put it in? Probably, maybe, who knows? But Eli put it in the place it needed to be put in. If you take them back to 42, can any of these quarterbacks break those tackles uh, and stay on his feet to throw that ball to David Tyree? Maybe. But all, I all thought Eli wouldn't be now. able to do it before that play. 100%. If, if you were betting on a quarterback to do it, I guarantee you not betting that high on Eli did. But in that moment, <laughs> he did it. So, you know, I think the, the legacy of our football team is that we we found the right matchups and we executed. And, I mean, as boring as that sounds, that's, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. I don't care how boring it is. You sitting there, you're all sitting there with two rings, and you know you're, you're Giants legends, and you're and you're having this tenth anniversary because it happened, right? They don't hold tenth anniversary no. for uh, you know NFC championship teams or even teams, uh, you know the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, you you made the Super Bowl and you got rolled off the field, you got ripped on the field. You know yeah. the, the the 1990, uh, the 2000 Giants. Yeah, there, you know, there's no. Anniversary for second place, third, fourth, or fifth, right? <laughs> Just doesn't I agree. Doesn't work that way. So I'm I'm curious. Uh what's it been like? You you were obviously in a different generation of Giants teams, right? For the most part, you guys were really good. You 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 know, throughout most of that span, even your bad years were like you were at, you were like eight and eight, right? Most of the time. Yeah. Seven and nine yeah. at the worst. What was it like at the end? Did you realize that it was falling apart? I think I came, I we overlapped, I think, one year. And I showed up and I remember thinking to myself, wow, you know, this is this great organization, has this great reputation. <laughs> and you could see the cracks, like, forming all over the place. And when you were in the moment, 
Could you see that happening? Yeah, I could. You did? Yeah. And listen, when you when you part when you've been a part of something that was successful and it starts to lend itself or or, or starts falling in the direction of unsuccessful, is is if you are committed and you're paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. It's not hard to see. It doesn't mean that you feel like you can't be a part of the solution if if done right. Because if you think about it, it was easy for us to see why we lost several games in the middle of those those both of those Super Bowl runs. How do we start out, you know, six and two and then end up right. having to beat the Jets to to make it in the playoffs? Or, you know, how do we you know, lose the first two games by, uh, you know, give up 80 points, sorry, in the first two games, and then we become one of the most predominant or, you know, dominant defenses in the Super Bowl against right. the arguably the best offense ever to play the game. Like, if you look at that defense in in Dallas and Green Bay of 07, 08, you would have thought we we were a high school team that they just hired for replacements. Right. And then if you look at that, if you look at that defense in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the vaunted Patriots, you would think, you know, we should be talked about in, in which was in, like the greatest offense in, of our lifetime. Yeah. Or, you know, right? that we had so, seen in the regular season, at least up there. Sure. So you you see the you you see the you know, I was able to see the cracks forming, right? But I just didn't have I didn't have a solution and neither did no one else for that matter. So um, it was, it was frustrating to be a part of it because the legacy that i had had was um, up until my last year there, I don't think we had a losing season. Like you said, we're eight and eight at our worst. Um, but you disappointed. How disappointed were you with the way it ended? And then, uh, you know, you didn't get the offer. I believe that you, you really wanted <laughs> from the giants. I, I believe at the time you're, you're, Ordering you over 30, I think you were 30, 31, some, somewhere around there. Uh, I was just turned uh, 30. Okay. And what was that like for you? The way, the way it all ended is, did it at the time where you, uh, I, was were you bitter? I was, I was really mad to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but it's, you understand that it's a business 100%. I don't care who you are. Right. It, it it happens to the best of us and that you know obviously if you stay somewhere long enough and there becomes a time where things start the ball starts to roll a different way then i if i was if i was a giants you start looking for solutions outside of what you have in front of you too i get that right uh but yeah i was i was definitely um <laughs> not happy with it but that's that's over that's over and done with do you how what was it like watching the Giants? You you, you finished playing right in twenty fifteen. Uh, what's it been like watching the Giants the last few years? That that they're not the you know the teams that you you were used to being on, or that or that this organization really has been used to seeing. It's been it's been a rough little you know seven eight year stretch here. Yeah, I mean it has been. I but I but I am encouraged and I will continue to be encouraged to support them because I know they're working that bus off. I know Joe Judge is trying to figure it out. And I think I mean, listen, I I'm biased, but I do think this team has the ability to make a run this year. You know, Daniel Jones is a year older. He they've they've added pieces around him where I think make could make a huge difference, right? Hopefully we can stay healthy, get healthy, stay healthy. I love what the defense is doing, even though I was never a three, four um, defensive guy, you know, what, what they're doing there in creating matchup problems within the interior, you know, defensive line, mm-hmm. I think is great. I think their secondary added some pieces and they're going to play better. You know, you get McKinney back, you know, and there's a lot of promise in this team, right? It just so happens that we play in a really, really tough division um, and we had a very, very young team and we lost a superstar, uh, last year too, right? You're not even thinking about the fact that you're getting arguably the top five running back back. And if you would ask anybody that question two years ago, you would say top two, maybe, yeah, for sure. maybe top one, right? So there's a lot of problems around this team, but like, yeah, the last couple of years have been, it's been tough because, we were so accustomed to being in every game. I mean, obviously, when I played, we didn't win them all. But, like, 
But like I said, your just, bad seasons weren't bad seasons. Your bad it, seasons were just weren't really good seasons. You weren't great seasons. That, that, that's what the, the, the standard was at the time. Yeah. So again, I listen, I didn't get the opportunity to watch this this team in person last year for obvious reasons, but I plan on being in the stadium and rooting those guys on just like I had been, you know, every other year that I was available to least. Your son's diehard giant fans, they have a choice. Is that yeah, no. Would you let One them would you let them be a fan of any team they wanted? I would, be honest with you. Um just because I mean, listen, I I know where my allegiance lies and I'll do everything I can to make sure that their like allegiance match mine. But <laughs> the reason why I didn't, reason why I didn't name my my kid Justin Tuck Jr. is because I want them to have say so in what their life looks like in all all right. They don't mm-hmm. have to go to Notre Dame play football like they're dead. They don't have to go to so- Goldman Sachs and work in finance like they're dead. I want them to. I want to provide them um, with the tools necessary to to be successful in whatever they choose to do. As long as it's something that's adding value to the world and it's not something negative, I'm I'm going to be their biggest fans. And I think I I kind of use that sentiment across the board. You know, what my oldest son is literally in my shadow and he follows everything I do. And my younger son is literally a contrarian. He he roots for teams just to make me mad. I think he does that. <laughs> so but they both oh, it could be a cowboy fan. Oh no. no I, <laughs> it's not that, that uh, but he does especially college football he'll he'll root for whoever you know in the moment just to just to mess with me but i think at the end of the day he is a giants fan and a a, a fine irish fan but right. again he knows my buttons and he's a little mischievous in that right so he does it uh just to mess with me i think they know you now as you know corporate america justin tug i mean is, is that <laughs> do they? Do, how much do they know about your football football exploits? Like, do you? Are you the guy that tells them that? Or does everybody tell them stories of, about how how good you were? Like, what what do they think about you as a football player? Yeah, I think it comes from other people more than it comes from me. I I never wanted to be deemed a football player. Yes, I was good at playing football, but there's so much more to us as athletes than just what we do on Sundays and and so on and so forth, right? So I never subscribed to that. I always subscribed to the fact that God gave me an ability to play this sport and play it at a high level, but he also gave me an ability to do a lot of other things. Um, and uh, I never wanted myself or anybody else for that makes you to be pigeonholed in that. Um, so a lot of the the, the football um, success I had and them knowing about it comes from they watch sports center they watch they watch ESPN a lot they watch sports in general they watch the playbacks of games a lot they see the trophies in my house they they see the jerseys when I'm at certain games or certain places they hear people come up and tell me about you know whatever game I had or you know they they know friends that I have in in in, in sports that constantly you know tell them about how I guess how good I was and so on and so forth. But it, it really doesn't come from me. I would rather them understand the fact of whatever platform you have, be a hundred percent at that. When I played football, I was a hundred percent in football or you know, somewhere in that in that range of being, you know, committed to football. Now I'm in I'm in finance. I am committed to finance. And you can do both. You don't have to to be a one trick pony. Uh, so that's I think that's the narrative I'm trying to create for them so what's that like being in finance be making that making that transition to corporate america what, what, how, do, how do you like it i like it i you know i i definitely like it i you know i think getting an opportunity to work with some of the most sophisticated people in finance and in economics is exciting to me um it's stressful to me it's me up in the morning because i know i have to be on my p's and q's and, not, and it's not just a game it's not just me and, and what my contract might look like uh, this season if I don't have a good game here, right? This is mm-hmm. people's heart, money that you know generations of you know families who built businesses and 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 built up um, you know assets um, throughout the the legacy of their family, and this is corporation. This is you know serious, right? So um, you're messing for me, with people's that- money, man. Yeah, not to, yeah. Do, to tell you not to do when you play football. Don't mess with another yeah. money. 
don't want to be that guy that, that makes the mistake of losing millions of dollars for a client. So that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what keeps me, as we talk right now, I'm looking at three different screens of, of things and transactions and, and market movement and, and so on and so forth. I, I, I like it. Uh, and I think the biggest reason around the fact that I like it is the fact that no one, me growing up in Kelson, Alabama, no one would believe that I had the opportunity to do what I've done, you know, in football, not less at, you know, at one of the premium investment banks in the, in the world. Right. So uh, that in its own right is like, I still have this make believe monkey on my back of trying to prove people <laughs> wrong. And regardless of people doubt, doubted me or not, I, use that as fuel for me to wake up every morning and, and work my butt off in the, in the space that I am today. Yeah. And if I That's leave funny. the place in a few years or whatever it may be, then whatever I do next, I'll find that, that, in, that, that make-believe monkey on my back for that as well. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It's funny. I like how you admit that because o- Odell used to say that all the time. You know, I've been doubted my whole life. I've been an underdog and I'm thinking to myself, he went to the same high school that Eli and Peyton went to. Yeah. He went to LSU yeah. and was drafted in the first round of the draft. Like, who doubted this guy? <laughs> but that's yeah. how some people, that's just what they use as their motivation. But I will say this and I'll leave on this one. You're a good man, Justin Tuck, because the only person I know that had like a retirement press conference and going away and left the media room with little bottles of blue label was you. <laughs> well, there wasn't there was, uh, John, John, Jordan, those wasn't little bottles, by the way. What do you mean they weren't little bottles? You didn't get like the ball. Look, you 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 made it sound like y'all got the bottles that were like on like the airplane. <laughs> It seemed like a little bottle that night. I mean, when I drank it, I guess, uh, you know, it went, it went quick. It went quickly. So it seemed like a little bottle. <laughs> the fact that it went down so smoothly that it felt like a, a little ball because you finished the bottle that quickly. That's a, that's a personal conversation you need to have with yourself. Yeah, I know. First of all, you know, I actually <laughs> sent you a text probably like a year or two ago. I still had it. And then you're like, no, I can, what are you doing, what are you doing with it? Drink it already. What's the use yeah. of not drinking it? And you know what? I drank it within a month for sure. Like within the next few for weeks, sure. I definitely I drank it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's what I get. That's for enjoy it. Um, and like I'll say this: like there's always a there there's always going to be a somewhat riff or divide between players and media. But I I was a guy that realized like especially for the, the most of the media I got to work with throughout my career, y'all helped me get my story across. So I'm thankful for that even though it was. A lot of times I didn't necessarily want to talk to you guys. I, I I deemed it one necessary, but also understood the relationship and how it was a win-win for both. A lot of times athletes look like it's a win for you guys and a pain in our butts. No, I, I realized, especially playing in the place. You used it to your advantage, you know? Yeah. Well, you used it to so your advantage. You had, that's the idea. So, I, you know, that was just my way of saying thank you because – the Justin Tuck story and narrative doesn't get across to our fans, right? If you don't have good people that you work with in the media. Uh, so I was, I was very honest in the fact of, listen, did I like talking to you? No. Did I respect <laughs> that you had and, and the job and the process that you had to go through as, as a professional in your, in your field? Absolutely. I did. And I also understood that it did right. It could be a win-win situation. You you definitely understood it. I appreciate it. You're not talking about me, about the good guys that helped you out along the way, really, because I came at the very end and was lighting the place on fire at the time. But as for, <laughs> as for another episode, <laughs> nah, thanks, though, man. We appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate your time for coming on here. It's 10 years, man. 10 years. That, that, should be, that should be a fun experience. Anybody you're looking forward to seeing that you haven't seen him forever? 
Um, I I feel like we we keep in touch pretty good as a team, right? I think you, you know. Okay. Obviously, there are some guys that um, that that pro- I probably didn't play with as long and didn't have the same relationships that I had with guys who obviously on, on a previous Super Bowl team or played you know I played longer with. Right. So I, I have a, a one individual, but I just want to kind of re touch base with a lot of guys and see what a lot of guys are up to that I haven't talked talk with in a long time. Yeah. But it should be I, I remember us doing this, you know, four years ago for the forty two uh Super Bowl and that was a that was a fun that was a fun weekend. So looking forward to it. Well gear up. We all get to go out. Everyone will be at the stadium again back the stadium will be packed it'll be a welcome sight for everybody. Sure. And hopefully the Giants Five and zero going to six and zero that night. So that's, that's right. all. That's all that we really care about. They at this do have point. a nice easy, so. early season schedule. They should. They should, well, should be able to win some games early. So that'd be nice. Better than zero and five, like the, the last year, two of the last three years, yeah. two of the last four years. Yeah. So. so. All right, man. I all appreciate. Right. It. Go go back to making money for people. Check out those three screens. All right. Send me some good tips. All right, man. <laughs> it'll cost you, Jordan. Take it easy, ball. <laughs> you are you were never cheap. I, I know that, that's you're gonna your your services are expensive. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate it. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. That was Justin Tuck, an absolute Giants legend right there. Uh, The one thing that really stuck out to me is that Justin Tuck contemplated retirement prior to the 2011 season. Of course, the Giants win the Super Bowl that year. That's what we're talking about here, the 10-year anniversary coming up. But just imagine, if Justin Tuck wasn't on that team, are we sitting here talking about a Super Bowl champion? He has two stacks of Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Again, he's a team captain. That was something I had never heard. I don't know if that's out there. Anyone else had heard that, but... Man, retiring prior to the 2011 season? I know he had gone through a really tough 2011 campaign. Suffered a personal loss, was really nicked up. And you know that, you hear that, that you know, that, that kind of stuff weighs on guys, for sure. But to think that he almost was never part of that season, to me, that's shocking. I, I had never heard that. And we're obviously playing revisionist history here. But... That Giants team, without Justin Tuck and the the pressure he was able to provide, especially late in the season when he started to put it back together after that meeting that we've talked about in depth with Tom Coughlin. I mean, I feel pretty confident. They don't win the Super Bowl without Justin Tuck. So, uh, I mean, that I don't even know what to say about that. That just that just took me took me by surprise there. I didn't expect to hear that. Maybe maybe I'm off base. Maybe it was out there at the time. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't covering the Giants at the time. So I'll get into a little Jordan on the beat. This is the portion of the episode where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, cover the NFL in general, and talk about my first interactions with Justin Tuck. And I remember that. So I come in the middle of the 2013 season. Giants start off 0-5, 0-6, I think even. Get their first win on Monday Night Football. 
against the Minnesota Vikings and Josh Freeman, and they start to put it together. Justin Tuck also has a pretty good year that year, right? Uh, 44, I believe, is the number, some, somewhere in the 40s. Uh, hurries, 11 sacks. Now, the thing is, so he gets 11 sacks, right? He's coming off like two down years, like 2012 and 2013, not, not his greatest season. Or 2011, 2012, sorry, overall. He's banged up. He's nicked up. He's he's over 30 now. First of all, he's the guy you go to talk to in the locker room every time. I mean, stand-up guy. Like he said, he didn't always enjoy talking to us, but he did it because he knew it served its purpose. And he, him and his wife uh, have a great literacy program that they work on. And I've written plenty of stories about they They do really good work. Lauren. Lauren Tuck and, and Justin Tuck. Their literacy program, top notch. Still to this day, I believe it's it's a cause that that means a lot to them. So anyway, so Justin Tuck has eleven sacks. Then he's a he's a free agent, right? But six of those sacks that year come against Washington. Six of the eleven against a Washington team that basically had thrown in the towel. This was the perception. So. I get a call from Justin Tuck's agent, Doug Hendrickson. And Doug lays out his case for Justin Tuck as a free agent. He wants to come back to the Giants, but he also wants to get paid. I think Doug called him. I even have him quoted in the story. He was willingly willing to be quoted. Best free defensive end on that free agent in that free agent market. I believe some of the guys that were available were like Greg Hardy, um, Michael Bennett. Michael Johnson, I believe, from the Bengals. So these are some of the guys that are free agents. And the agent willingly calls me up and states his case. So I write a story on it. And then it kind of went real quiet, right? And Justin Tuck, who is a captain of the Giants, a great player, gets real quiet. And you, you heard him say there, he wasn't happy with how it went down. He really didn't get a good offer from the Giants. They kind of gave, gave him a, a token offer. Uh, hey, we'll have you back, but on the super cheap. And he was going to collect one more paycheck. Did it. Spent two to three years with the Raiders. Got injured there. Uh, one of those seasons, I believe, if I remember correctly. But anyway, at the time, you're giving Jerry Reese the benefit of the doubt. Because remember, you're talking, you know, early 2014. So really two seasons removed from winning a second Super Bowl in four years. And the Giants at the time had a history of being very good at knowing when to move on from older players, regardless of the sentiment that existed between the two. And trust me, it was there between the Giants and Justin Tuck. Think about what he had done for them. He had a great Giants career, legendary Giants career. But they looked at it as a business decision. And Tuck was not happy about it. I remember interacting with him at the time. And he was not happy with the way that it all went down. But in the end, you know, Giants probably could have used him in 2014. Remember, that's when Odell comes. And and not soon after, uh... All the shenanigans happened there. Maybe Justin Tuck's presence. I mean, he was the guy, the guy in the locker room. He was the guy that was always in Jason Pierre Paul's ear. He was the guy that you went to, you know, for if if you needed somebody to speak basically for the defense, for the organization, that person turned into intro role that following year. But maybe Tuck's presence presence with a young Odell in twenty fourteen would have helped. I mean as a team, defensively, they got really bad. So, I mean, he, he wouldn't have hurt. But at the same time, he was nearing the end. So, Jerry Reese, probably the right move on that one. Even though we're talking about a legendary player here. A legendary Giants career. But he was not happy with the way it went down. But then, you know, he's a professional. He knows a, He knows Justin Tuck understands. And this is why he was such a good guy. He had that big picture perspective. He knew the situation. And then when he retired, he retired. It became Justin Tuck Day. Retired as a giant. You come back. He gives his you know retirement speech. You come back to the media room. And 
there sitting on your table is that bottle of Johnny Walker Blue from Justin Tuck. Nice little touch. Never again matched by any other player. No one has ever given us a nice little bottle saying thank you for your help, for your uh, part in my career. And I wasn't there very long, so I didn't know him very well. But, I hey, left a nice impression on me, I'll tell you that much. All right. That's going to be the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. We're on the rise, growing, growing, getting bigger, better each episode. Um, we're going to continue the summer series here. Uh, we'll probably have another episode next week. The one week we're gonna, that I'm going to take off is the July 4th week, though. So there'll probably not be an episode that week. Or maybe we could even do a Giants After Dark. We could pre-tape it that week. So we'll do a summer. Maybe, yeah, let's do that. A summer version of Giants After Dark. See that? See that? We're finding solutions on the fly right here for you. So we'll continue the summer series. I'll, I'll try and keep finding interesting guests. Uh, as always, reach out. Tell me if you have any suggestions. Some people already had some pretty good suggestions for me, and I'm going to try and make some of them happen. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see where this goes. And then soon enough, training camp will be around the corner. The season. An exciting Giants season, a season that we're actually excited for with the Giants. Real, real excitement, at least, that they can be a good team. So reach out to me, Instagram, Facebook, email, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, whatever, whatever's out there. You know how to reach me. I'm Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, Giants reporter. See you next time.